Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like biblical counsel on, just the counsel of, from a biblical perspective. We'd love to talk with you and pray for you. So give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. You're hearing this program live. We also want to greet those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. I also found out recently there are several substations that uh, broadcast this signal, kind of smaller substations based out of churches and just wanted to highlight that fact that maybe some of you are tuning in on stations in places like Minnesota that are run out of churches and just want to encourage you that this is one of the things that makes um, makes Calvary Live uh, this program but also Grace FM uh, unique is that this is a, a church run ministry and um, we do encourage you to support your local Christian radio station you know, and support the programs that are on there and the churches that broadcast on there. Just this is real grassroots local stuff, and we're so glad to be part of the work of God. And we just keep hearing reports from people of how God is using Grace FM's ministry in their lives. And so we're glad that you're tuning in today, wherever you're tuning in from. I have a map here of where some of our listeners are tuning in online. So let me, before I go any further, let me greet our online listeners. Welcome to the program. You who are tuning in via the mobile app or the website, so glad to have you as well. I want to remind those listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, so that would be Hope FM and Truth FM, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay, but we want you to know that we want to hear from you. We want you to call in and participate on the show, call in with your prayer requests and your Bible questions, and then you guys actually have the unique opportunity where not only do you get to tune in and hear yourself a week later on the radio, but you get to tell other people. And that's kind of a great way for you to invite people into listening to Christian radio. As you can say, hey, I'm, I'm on this call-in show. Tune in at this time. You'll hear me. And maybe they'll stay tuned in. Keep it as one of their presets on their radio. And as they're going around, God's going to work in their life as they hear the ministry of the word throughout the week. So we encourage you to do that. And again, those listening online, if you don't have our mobile app yet or if you don't have uh, our website saved somewhere, we encourage you to do that because 
Uh, we have a great free mobile app. Just type in Grace FM in the search bar it, as one word, no spaces, Grace FM. It'll come right up, and you can listen to this show every day and all the other programs on Grace FM live. And we have many listeners who do that, so I'm just looking at the map right now. We have listeners up in Washington State, uh, California, of course, here in Colorado and throughout the Midwest and into Texas, and some listeners on the East Coast, as, w as well as one listener in South Africa right now. So welcome to the program, those of you who are tuning in and listening online. That's actually the way that I tune in and listen usually when I'm not, um, when I'm on the go. And if I'm not in my car, I'll listen online because I don't even own a radio outside of the one in my car anymore. Those are the kind of the times we live in. But everybody has a smartphone and you can listen to Grace FM anywhere in the world at any time, including this show, Calvary Live. So welcome those who are listening online. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and with your prayer requests. And I would love to pray for you. I would love to answer your questions and hopefully bring some clarity to areas where there might be a lack of clarity or even some confusion. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Just a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And we are a chapel-affiliated church here in this great city. And if you uh, would like to get in touch with us you can or find out more about us, we would love it if you would do that. So reach out to us on social media. Follow us on any of your major social media platforms. So we are on Instagram at uh, instagram.com slash whitefieldschurch or at whitefieldschurch. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch. YouTube, we have a growing YouTube audience, especially since the pandemic. We've gone uh, and we're doing church online as well, live streaming and broadcasting, as well as throughout the week doing a lot of YouTube stuff. So check us out on there at uh, youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch. And we're on Twitter as well for any of you Twitter users. And uh, we'd love to connect with you on all these platforms, but the best way, the kind of one-stop hub for everything Whitefields is to go to our website, whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. And uh, I would love to uh, have you come and visit us. We just moved into a new building at Whitefields here in, let's see, March is when we moved in. And we weren't able to open the building until June, but it has turned out to be just a huge blessing being able to move during this time, get things set up, and now we're able to have um, we're able to have services here in person and, of course, online as well. So, if you would love to join us for service, we would enjoy that, and we would love to have you worship with us. You can also check out our video archive of past services. We're currently teaching through the books of First and Second Kings, which is this is actually my first time teaching through First and Second Kings, and I'm really enjoying it. I pastored a church in Hungary for seven years, and in Hungary I taught through the Bible starting in Genesis on, on Wednesday nights. We taught through the Old Testament, and I got through to Second Kings before I handed over that church to a Hungarian pastor. So I never got to teach First and Second Kings until just recently. So right now we're currently studying through First and Second Kings. Just finished First Kings last Sunday. This Sunday, yesterday, was our first study in Second Kings, 
And now we're transitioning from looking at the prophet Elijah, and now we're looking at the prophet Elisha. And so really, really great studies. This past Sunday, we talked about this idea of the legacy of your life as we looked at um, the life of the prophet Elijah and how he transitioned out and passed his mantle on to the prophet Elisha. So it's been really good. We'd love to have you join us or catch up on some of those messages. So to join us in person, we meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Two services, 9 and 11 a.m. They're about an hour long each. And we'd love to have you visit us. Our, our new address where we're at is 2950 Colorful Avenue. 2950 Colorful Avenue. And we're right on Highway 119 or Ken Pratt Boulevard, as it's called here in Longmont. And this is like the main road, you know, from here, from I-25 down into Boulder. And we're right on this road, and we'd love to have you join us sometime. We're just a little bit east of County Line Road on Highway 119. We're directly north from Sandstone Ranch um, Sports Complex, where the skate park and all the soccer fields and baseball fields are located. And so we're right uh, east of the city center of Longmont, uh, but still in the Longmont city limits. And we'd love to have you visit us. We're really easily accessible for all the surrounding communities because of where we're located. So, you know, if you're coming from Erie or if you're coming from Berthoud, if you're coming from Mead or even Boulder or Lyons, uh, if you're coming from Frederick, Firestone, Decono, those areas, Johnstown, we'd love to have you come and worship with us in person at 2950 Colorful Avenue, 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or you can join us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Okay, so I am your host here on the program every Friday. I uh, host every Friday Calvary Live. I used to do Monday, so it's good to have the Monday crowd again and get to host today, filling in for Pastor Jeff Biggs. We switched days at the beginning of this year. But I missed my show this past Friday because I had an emergency dental appointment. And so at the last second, I had to go in. So I've, I've got some kind of pain relief from what I was dealing with, but I haven't had the procedure yet. That's going to be happening this coming Friday. So would you please pray for me? I would appreciate that. Okay, let's go to our first caller, Caroline in Colorado Springs. Hi, Caroline. Welcome to the program. Hi. Yes, it's a bit noisy, but go ahead with your question. Well, okay. I'm sorry, but my ex-husband and I got married very young, right out of high school, and we had a child, and um, we got divorced in our early, early 20s. And so seven years later, my husband's ex-husband had remarried, and... By then, my son was about 10, and I was told by my ex-husband that my son wanted to go live with him and his new wife. And we all live in the same town, so, I mean, I feel like a child belongs to each parent equally, and they're a child of God, and that they're not a piece of property to fight over. So I said, okay, and we continued to have joint custody but, of course, his new wife kind of took on that role of being a wife and mother because she was able to stay home and um, help him with homework and have dinner and just things like that. And I'm just 
I've been told by my son, which he's now 33, that we reap what we sow, and uh, I've been closed out of his life because he's very angry about my decision and that I didn't take my ex-husband to court and fight about it or fight for him. And I just want to know how God sees that. Is this a mother's responsibility to... I mean, now I feel like, yes, I made the wrong decision. I, I should have never, never, ever said it was okay for him to go live with his dad and his dad's wife. Okay. And I don't know how God looks at that. I. Yeah, so, you know, there's really nothing in the Bible that talks about um, custody of children in a divorce. But what we can know is, you know, what, what God looks at, he looks at motivations. He cares a lot about our motivations. And, you know, from what you shared with me, I mean, it sounds like that you had motivations which were in the best interest of your son. I don't know what, what all motivations you might have had at the time, but God does. And I think that that's what God looks at. But let's put it this way. Let's say it was a mistake, just for the sake of argument. Um, if it was a mistake, we all commit mistakes throughout our lives. We all make bad decisions. And as you're saying now, you feel that maybe it was a bad decision. I think the issue really gets down to one of restoring the relationship in light of what has already taken place. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Number one, I would encourage you to bring this thing to the Lord and to just confess it before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I felt at the time I had these reasons for doing it. You know what my full motivations were. And if the motivation were was anything that was not in the best interest of my son, anything selfish, Lord, please forgive me for that. And Lord, please restore my relationship with my son. And then I would, I would um, just receive the forgiveness that's offered to you freely in Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. All of our sins, all of our bad decisions, our mistakes, anytime we've missed the mark, it was nailed to the cross with him. And we, we can take so much comfort in that, knowing that with Jesus we, we get a new day, new start, new mercies every morning. And so I want to encourage you to do that, to receive that uh, forgiveness. And then the next thing I would do is i go to your son and I would just humble uh, humble yourself and apologize and say, you know, son, it breaks my heart that I made that decision in the past and I ask that you forgive me. Um, one of the things that's true in the Bible, but I think this is true in regard to God, I think it's also true in regard to people, is, you know, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So rather than trying to justify your actions before your son, I would just humbly come to him and say, son, I love you. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that, um, you know, you felt that I didn't fight for you, but I love you and I want a relationship with you. And I would just move forward right now rather than trying to justify the actions. Okay, well, I am trying. I, I did try to justify the actions. You're right. This has been going on for about three years, and God has been opening my eyes and my heart to, you know, see more his point of view or even people that have surrounded us. I do see where others did not know my heart, but I know that God, he knew my heart at the time and he knows my heart now. Mm -hmm. And I guess, 
you're right, and that's my struggle. I'm having a hard time just forgiving because my son has shut that door. He will not open that door again. And so my only choice is to forgive myself and go on. I'm not allowed in his life or my granddaughter's life. I'm sorry. That, that's got to be very painful. What I would suggest is that you write him a letter. You know, most, you know, the open rate, let's say on emails is very low. And plus emails, just a less personal form of communication. So my advice to you would be write him a handwritten letter, share your heart, do it with a sense of not seeking to justify your actions, but only asking him to forgive you and move forward and tell him that you uh, want a relationship. And uh, let's go ahead and pray for this right now. And I do want you to know that God has restored broken relationships in the past. He can do it today, and you know he he's a God who raises the dead, and he can um, he can resurrect relationships as well. So all hope is not lost, and so let's go ahead and pray for this. Heavenly Father, I pray for Caroline, and I pray for her relationship with her son. It sounds like there's a lot of hurts, um, both in her son's heart and in Caroline's heart right now, as he's pushing her out of his life. Lord, we pray for her son, Lord, that he would receive. Uh, just her apology, that he would receive her humility and her desire for a relationship. And Lord, we pray that you would do a work of restoration. Uh, Lord, thank you that you have reconciled us to God. We think about the most broken relationship in the world was our relationship in which we uh, turned away from God and sinned against you and, and we did all the, those things and yet you came and you reconciled our relationship to yourself. And we are so thankful for that. Thank you that you've given us now a ministry of reconciliation. I pray you'd help Caroline to have reconcil reconciliation with her son. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would guide her in how to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Caroline, God bless you. I'm really sorry. I can, I can hear the hurt in your voice. And um, it pains my heart to hear that. I'm sure that... Um, you know, this is something that takes up a lot of time in your mind as well. So we'll be continuing to pray for you and um, praying that this relationship is restored. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We're here to take your calls about the Bible or about things going on in your life. Maybe there's something you read in the Bible recently and you found it confusing, you weren't sure on it. I'd love to hopefully answer those questions for you, explore those things and help you help bring some clarity hopefully. So give it me a call with your Bible questions. Also give me a call from uh, calls in regard to your prayer requests. So just like Caroline, maybe you have um, a prayer request or something going on in your life that you want biblical advice on or counsel or perspective on we'd love to answer those questions as well and pray for those prayer requests give us a call 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897 that's 720-336-0897 we um you know just on that regard in regard to what caroline was talking about which is divorced parents and the custody of children Man, that is very difficult stuff. One one word of advice I want to give to parents listening who are sharing custody of your kids. I want to encourage you, in the time that you have with them, I want to encourage you to help get the Word of God 
into their hearts, into your kids. I want to encourage you. Use your weekends with your kids. Bring them to church. Get them involved in youth group. Uh, study the Bible at home. Be praying with them. You can still have a godly influence in your kids' lives, even if you only have them part-time. But we want to encourage you um, to absolutely do that. So looks like we have some listeners from Palisade, Colorado, over on the Western Slope, Houston, Texas, Chernivtsi, Ukraine, who have joined recently. Welcome to all of you. Uh, we have some listeners also who I know who are regular listeners down in Louisiana who have been affected by the hurricanes down there recently. And so I want to just take a second while we wait for more calls to come in and more texts to come in to go ahead and pray for those down in Louisiana and Texas who are being affected right now by the weather. So Heavenly Father, we lift up those in Louisiana and Texas, those who are without power, those who are experiencing other hardships right now. And Lord, we pray that you would be with them, bless them, uh, those who are being affected, affected by Hurricane Laura. Lord, we ask that you would bring relief to those who are suffering. Lord, we pray that you'd get resources to those who need them. And Lord, we ask that you'd watch over people, take care of them, especially as many of them will have insurance claims in the near future and things that will be residual from this. Lord, we pray that you'd sustain them and be with them. Lord, we pray that churches in those areas would rise up and act as your hands and feet in these times in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. I'm Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I host for you guys every Friday, but today's a Monday. I missed the show last Friday. And I'm glad to be able to fill in today for Pastor Jeff Figs, who's usually with you on Mondays. You can find out more information about our church at our website, whitefieldschurch.com. And also, I lead uh, a, well, I, I am the featured speaker on a program which airs here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 2.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. It's called Life in the Field, and those are our sermons, my sermons from Whitefields Church here broadcast over the airwaves for you guys. Cut for the radio, so check that out. If you're driving at 2.30 p.m., turn on Grace FM, and you'll be able to hear those programs at that time. Let's go to our text line and look at some of the prayer requests that have come in over the text line. Someone says, please pray for Elijah. We have a doctor appointment coming up and need to make some medicine decisions. Uh, we need seizure freedom. Okay, let's pray for Elijah and for this freedom from seizures. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you, Elijah. And Lord, we do ask that there would be a setting free from this problem of seizures. Uh, Lord, I know this is a neurological problem, and we just ask that you would bring healing in this area. Whatever's causing these seizures, Lord, we pray that you would heal, that you would touch him, that you'd bring relief from this and Lord as they have some medical decisions that need to be made I know those things are not done uh, you know flippantly I know that there's a lot of prayer that goes into them so we join in praying that you would give wisdom to those who make these decisions that uh, Lord they would have a correct picture and good advice from the doctors and that you would lead them to make the right decision but Lord we pray for Elijah that you give him relief from these seizures in Jesus name amen amen praying for you guys Let's go to our next caller, Dustin in Decono. 
Hi, Dustin. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Uh, I was just wondering if uh, I was going to ask, uh, what what are your thoughts about in the book of Judges, you, in uh, what, one of the heroes of faith from hero from Hebrews 11, the man named Jephthah. So Jephthah makes a vow to the Lord saying, if, if I can win this battle, I will give you the first thing that comes out of my house. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so he makes the vow, he wins the battle, and then when he goes back home, as he's going back to his house, like his daughter walks out of the house. And, and so he like starts crying and, or, you know, and he's like, you know, and then there's this whole conversation between them. Oh, I, I can't go back on my vow. And, or, you know, like, and I'm just wondering, so I've heard like several sides to this and I've actually gone to like multiple different Bible studies about the book of Judges, mm-hmm. but I was just wondering kind of like, what, what is in a, like a biblical standpoint, what, what do you, what do you hold to that? Yeah. So it is an interesting one and I'm trying to find the book, the, the verse in Hebrews and yeah, Jephthah's name is mentioned. So there's a couple different ways of looking at this. First of all, uh, a lot of people would argue that Jephthah did not give his daughter to actually, or he did not actually kill his daughter, sacrifice his daughter. There's a, a few good reasons for believing that he didn't sacrifice his daughter. Now, let me just kind of take a step back because I want to remind people of the story that you're referring to. I believe it's, yeah, Judges chapter 11. And in many of you, many Bibles, of course, these titles of these sections are not inspired by the Holy Spirit as scripture. But a lot of times that is listed as Jephthah's foolish vow. And so Jephthah, you know, makes this vow that if God would give him victory in this battle, then he would sacrifice whatever came out of his door when he came home. Now, that was a really foolish thing to say. And then it says that Jephthah's devastated because he wins the battle. He feels great. Then he comes home and he's made this vow to the Lord that he can't break. And his daughter comes out and that's what happens. Right. So it says that he did as he had vowed. Now, this is really intriguing. Did Jephthah actually sacrifice his daughter? So one way of looking at this, or one explanation, would be to say that Jephthah did not explicit or did not actually offer his daughter as a burnt offering. So his daughter was mourning the fact that she would never marry instead of mourning the fact that she was about to die. So that's one explanation of the mourning there. And so the idea is that Jephthah perhaps gave her to the tabernacle as a servant. Now that might sound like we're twisting things or trying to, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole when it says that he did as he vowed and he vowed to kill her. But you got to understand that uh, one of the ways of giving a life, a living sacrifice was, you know, dedicating the firstborn children to the Lord. And so just as you would dedicate the firstborn of your flock by offering them as a burnt offering, the way that you would dedicate your firstborn to the Lord was by giving them into the service of the tabernacle. So we see that with Hannah as what she did with her firstborn child, Samuel. So it's very possible that that's what's happening. And the mourning that takes place there in Judges 11, 36 and 37 could be a mourning, again, that she will never marry, 
but she was uh, dedicated to the temple for the rest of her life. And so it's very possible. And again, like I said, that might come across to some people as if we're trying to uh, say, oh, well, he didn't really kill his daughter. Well, I actually believe that, um, that, that this is actually a really plausible explanation and very possible. And I have a few for few more reasons for that, but we have unfortunately, well, and not not terribly unfortunately, but we have run into our two minute break right now, and so I'm going to have to pause my answer to you for two minutes. And I'd love it if you'd hold with me and we could discuss it more, because it sounds like you've been to a lot of Bible studies on this topic. So let's yeah. talk about it. Um, but we're gonna I'm gonna have to put you on hold for two minutes. And guys, stick with us. We're gonna be right back, and we're gonna talk more about this question: Did Jephthah actually? slaughter his daughter and sacrifice her to the Lord or did he dedicate her to the temple? We're going to talk about both sides of that question when we get back. Give us a call with your questions 303-690-3000 We'll be back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're here to answer those questions. We're here to pray for you. We've got two open lines right now, so give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go back to our previous caller, Dustin in Decono. Dustin, welcome back. Thanks for holding. Yes. Now, we were talking about Jephthah, and Jephthah in Judges chapter 11, he made this vow that if he won this battle— then when he got home, the first thing that came through his door, he would sacrifice to the Lord. And the first thing that came through his door was his young daughter. And of course, he mourned over that. The question, as I was saying, is did Jephthah actually slaughter his daughter, like physically kill her and offer her as a burnt offering on the altar? Or did he dedicate her to the tabernacle as a servant? And what I was saying is that it actually makes a lot of sense why he would, we should read this as he offered her as a servant in the tabernacle. But there is, there are, there is one argument against that, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. Okay, so the, furthermore, the idea that I said of offering her as a sacrifice, this is something that has existed throughout Christian history. Uh, I'll give you a quick example, and that is that in early Christian history, right, there were a lot of martyrs. So Christianity was um, an illicit religion in the Roman Empire, and there were flare-ups of persecution in which uh, not only would Christianity be discouraged, but people would actually be killed for their faith in Jesus. And so a lot of writings came out in the early days. They were accounts of the martyrdoms of Perpetua, for example, and uh, Felicitas was another one. And so these became very popular, and they were spread around Christians. And Christians celebrated this idea of martyrdom to the point where it actually became a problem where too many Christians were, you know, almost like throwing yourself in front of a train or throwing yourself in front of a bus, right? They were putting themselves out there and trying to get, um, trying to get martyred. 
for their faith because they believed that it was a blessed thing to share in the sufferings of Jesus, which it absolutely is. But they were going so far that some of the church leaders at the time had to say, hey guys, let's dial this back. And people said, well, how can we give our lives for Jesus who gave his life for us? And they said, just as we see in the Old Testament, the way to do it is what they called white martyrdom as opposed to red martyrdom. Now, red martyrdom, of course, red because of the blood that is shed. White martyrdom instead was to become a dedicated servant of the church. And this is actually where the, the whole thing of nuns and monks came into being, that these people lived as if they were dead because they had given their lives to the service of God. And therefore, they, you know, this is where we get a lot of the stuff about priests and monks and, and nuns not marrying, right? Because they live as those who have given their lives for the service of God. And where did they get that idea? They claimed at the time that they got that idea from the Old Testament, from people like Samuel and even Jephthah and his daughters. So we have a history of interpretation from the church which says that Jephthah likely did not give his daughter literally as a burnt offering, killing her and then burning her body on an altar to God. Another reason why we would tend to believe that he didn't actually burn his daughter on an altar is because God had forbade the Jewish people over and over in the law from doing such a thing. He said that that is anathema. That was the huge problem, of course, with the worship of the god Baal and Molech, was that these gods were worshipped through the sacrificing of humans, and particularly human children, and through the shedding of human blood. And what we have, of course, with Jesus, we're told in Romans 12 that we are to give our lives as living sacrifices, and so that whole picture of a burnt offering completely consumed and yet still alive, right? So we're like the burning bush, on fire, but still living. And, um, and then, of course, you know, just this idea of giving our lives in service to Jesus um, and his blood is shed rather than our blood being shed as a sign of dedication to God. So there's that argument, okay? Now, what is the argument for him actually burning his daughter? The one good argument for it is this, that the book of Judges repeats over and over. People, there was no king in Israel at this time, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Here's my take on it. Hebrews 11, I just looked at it, where it mentions Jephthah. It's in 11.32. It just lists his name as one of the great people. Now, why is he mentioned? Well, he's listed with a bunch of other military people and judges. So Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. It's not necessarily commending him for what he did with his daughter. What it's commending him for is as he was a military leader, a savior, or a judge of Israel during the time of the judges. So, if I was going to give you a definitive answer, my answer would be, I believe that he gave his daughter um, to the service of the temple. I'm not sure 100% on that. I'm going to ask those guys when I get to heaven and find out. And uh, but that's my take on it. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I, I agree with you. I was going to bring up the same, the verses from, you know, and later you guys, people can look at these later. Deuteronomy 12 and Deuteronomy 18 and just the, you know, it's just the Israelite people were very familiar with how they should come to God to worship too. You know what I mean? Like, 
yeah. you know, any, I mean, just generally, like, I don't, I don't think Jephthah was clueless on how to, you know, cause he obviously knew how to do a burnt sacrifice. Yes. So he wasn't, he wasn't clueless, you know, on, on what, what was and what was not able to be sacrificed. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, that's, I agree with you on, on that part too. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to define find a way to defend that view. Cause I've been getting into some debates about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I feel like I, I kind of gave you pretty much all the, all the points that could be argued mm-hmm. on that. But, um, like I said, yeah. I think it's pretty clear based on these things, but you, you do have to kind of make some conclusions, um, by reading the text that the text doesn't explicitly state. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to talking to you guys again sometime. You guys hey, have a good day. Thanks. Good to hear from you, Dustin. God bless you. Bye bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Katie. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. You can check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. I'm your host on Calvary Live every Friday. Of course, today's a Monday. I'm filling in for Jeff Figs. And it's my honor and pleasure today to take your calls about the Bible and your texts, taking your prayer requests. Um, those kinds of things. So give me a call or send me a text. Here's the call in line, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897 for the text line. Let's go to our next caller, Matthew in New Jersey. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Uh, I just want to thank you guys, uh, first of all, being a source I can come to every day on my way home and listen to uh, what, a, what a blessing that God has you uh, serving in this way. And I, I know, I, I guess it kind of makes me want to do more in my own life. And I guess I kind of have a prayer request, if if you would, uh, yeah. just to be useful in the kingdom of God and, and, and with, you know, living a lifestyle of a, of a married father and husband, mm-hmm. I can feel like I'm always serving myself and there are certain ways we can give and we can help, but it's it's that it's that serving firsthand that really just you know lights your heart on fire and gives you that joy and that peace and that love that feeling of being in heaven. And it seems like it only happens so seldom. So I just want to ask if you could pray for more opportunities for me to serve Christ and to be faithful and to be a, a, a disciplined uh, servant of God in order to uh, serve those you know well. Yeah. for the opportunity to come. For sure. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we lift up Matthew. Thank you for his desire to serve you. Lord, you tell us throughout your word that the desire to serve you is a good desire. A person who desires the office of overseer, you say, desires a good thing. We look at the prophet Elisha who wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit because he wanted to serve you and do your work. And that's an honorable thing. So Lord, I pray for Matthew that you would Help him to see those opportunities that you're opening up for him every day. Lord, help him that he would truly do your work in his workplace, in his home, Lord, in conversations with others. Lord, I pray that everything he does, he would do it as unto you, Lord, and that you would bless him and guide him as he does that. Lord, I pray you give him boldness and clarity as he speaks your words and your truths to people, whether those be his own children, whether they be his co-workers, his spouse, Lord, people at his fellowship, at church. Lord, I just pray that you would guide him, lead him, open up doors, and help him to walk through them, and that you would use him powerfully in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, I've just been uh, studying about the prophet Elisha and Elijah here at the beginning of Second Kings and moving on next, this coming Sunday, you know, talking more about that. And there's this phrase I love where Elijah, Elisha, the younger prophet, takes the place of Elijah. And one of the things that happens is that, you know, Elijah's taken up in a whirlwind into heaven. And then verse 12 of chapter 2, it says, Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And you kind of wonder, what is he talking about? Um, chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Well, what he's talking about is, you know, that speaks of military might. We might call it the you know, the tanks and the, the air force, right? What is he saying? He's saying that Elijah was the strength of Israel. The true strength of Israel was found in the people of God, you know, who represented him and who spoke his words to the people. And Elisha is mourning the fact that Elijah is now gone. But then here's what's so incredible. In the next verse, it says that he takes up the mantle, which is like a robe, but it represents Elijah's God-given authority and ministry. He takes it up and he puts it on. And then it says that he asks the Lord, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And I think that is such a profound question. That is a question that so many of us are asking in our day and age, aren't we? Where is the God of Elijah today? You know, this is a new generation with Elisha taking over for Elijah. Where is the God that raised the dead? Where is the God that caused uh, it not to rain for three and a half years? Where is the God who caused the, the flour and the oil to be multiplied? Where is the God who caused things to do that? Is he still alive in our day and age? Does he still do those things through people? And what Elisha is saying is, may the God who did those things, I know he lives and I want to see him work through me in my generation, in my time. And I think that is a great and noble thing to say. So I'm just encouraging you and kind of encouraging my own heart and our listeners, you know, to say, let's, let's be asking that question, guys. Let's be asking, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah in my day and age? And let's take up the mantle of serving God and let's go forward in our context and do his work in every uh, way, in our workplace, in our home, wherever he puts us, let's serve him. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's, you uh, bet. It, it, can, it can rejuvenate and uh, get you excited, for sure. For, you bet. You bet. God bless you, Matthew. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening. Thank you, and have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and with your prayer requests. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to talk with you. Give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. It looks like uh, we have some, uh, we had one caller who uh, called in but is not here on the air. And um, we have right now three open lines. So I would love to hear from you. Give me a call with your Bible questions. Love to answer them and discuss them with you. Um, and give me a call with your prayer requests. So the numbers again, 303-690-3000 or text us at 
0897. Let's go back over to our text line and look at some of the texts that have come in. One person texts in and asks, uh, what should I do if my husband verbally abuses me? Uh, well, listen, I think that verbal abuse is not something that should be tolerated. Neither should any form of abuse being, you know, physical, or, of course, and nor should verbal abuse be accepted. I think that um, it really helps to bring somebody into the situation. You know, one of the things that Ephesians 4 talks about is about how sin, you know, and actually throughout the Bible, Leviticus talks about this, how sin is compared, it's similar to mold. And mold grows in the dark, doesn't it? It grows in dark, cold places. And sin is the same way. It proliferates, it grows, it, um, you know, expands in the dark, in cold, dark places. And we want to bring these things into the light of day. And many times they lose their strength, they lose their power when we do that. And Matthew 18 talks about what to do with someone who sins against you. The first thing to do, it says, is that you talk to that person one-on-one uh, -on -one and you say, you, you confront them about their sin. And it says, if the person listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, then what do you do? Take two, one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established. You know, I would say do that. And I would say, then it says, if that does not work, if the person still refuses to repent, then you bring it before the church. And I think that that is a process that I would recommend for you as well. One of the reasons why I recommend that is because I think that a lot of people um, would not agree on what constitutes on what constitutes verbal abuse. So let's say that you feel that your husband is verbally abusing you and you say to your husband, you're verbally abusing me. And he says to you, no, I'm not. I, maybe he thinks that he's not doing anything wrong. This is why it's so good to bring in somebody else and say, hey, this is what he's saying to me. This is, and I consider this verbal abuse, you know, and have them say that and agree with you as well. Now, um, again, the whole purpose here, by the way, in Matthew 18, the goal is restoration. The goal isn't to have somebody just agree with you and tell you you're right and he's wrong. It's restoration. It's that the one person would stop doing the harmful actions that they're doing and that a relationship would be restored. So I'm going to pray for you. I do not want you to suffer verbal abuse or any form of abuse. I want this to stop. And so my advice to you is that you do this process and you do it very soon and very quickly because you shouldn't um, have to be abused. You know, one of the things I, I've talked to, I've talked about with people is this idea that now on the one hand, we talk about as Christians, things that we deserve, you know, listen, we don't, we don't necessarily deserve anything from God except for judgment. But by nature of being people created in the image of God, we do not deserve people to other people to mistreat us or abuse us. And I think that's something that, that is really important for people to hear, is that we need to say that because we are people who are endowed with dignity as those created in the image of God, it is not okay ever for, for people to abuse other people or to treat them in a demeaning way or a humiliating way. And so we want to uh, acknowledge that. But let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for this person who feels they're being abused. And Lord, I pray that there would be um, a repentance that takes place on the part of the person using these hurtful words. Lord, I pray that there would be a restoration of the relationship and that this 
verbal abuse would absolutely stop. Lord, if it takes intervention from other people to bring clarity and light into the situation, if it, if it takes bringing it before church leaders for their fellowship that they're a part of, Lord, I pray that they would do that, and I pray it would be helpful. But Lord, I do pray that the abuse would stop. And I pray for anybody out there who's experiencing abuse of any kind, Lord. Lord, I pray that the abuse would stop and you would help people to get help that really um, really helps them. Thank you, Lord, for the dignity that you've uh, endowed us with as being people created in your image. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, really put an end to abuse. We look forward to the day when all striving, all uh, conflicts, all hurt will cease. Um, but Lord, we ask for a manifestation of that even now for those who are suffering abuse. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go to our next caller, Mike in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? So uh, my uh, question is, I've been reading a Bible study about uh, fatherhood and how to raise children. I have two kids of my own, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it talks about just like really being grace-based and, you know, um, like really trying to show the Heavenly Father through how we father our kids um, and to really not focus so much on the external behavior that the kid is, is showing, but more try to get to the heart of the issue and address the heart and to really give your kids freedom to be who they are. And um, and so I think when I was first like a, a parent at first, I, I kind of punished more with like kind of like that intimidation factor, like, maybe like a, a yelling or kind of like a loud voice, do what I say type of thing. And I've really sensed this Bible study have backed off and become very much more like, let's focus on the heart of the issue. Let's talk about it. Let's, I really want to show God's love and the grace and forgiveness that he's given me to my kids. And so yeah. I think that has helped me a lot, but I don't want to get too far to the other side, I guess, where my kids don't have that structure and still that discipline that they need. And so I just was wondering, like, any advice on how to like properly discipline your child, but you know, by not getting to that point where it's like, you know, intimidation or not, not in a godly way. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great, great uh, journey that it sounds like you're on. I think that's more effective, you know, to be um, helping them. I think one of the things that we can see from the Bible and this is going to be in line with some of the things that you're already reading and, and discussing with me right now. But it's that we see that God explains to his children of Israel that his motivation for everything that he does. Like there's a verse in Deuteronomy where he says, this God, his commands are for your good always. And throughout the book of Deuteronomy, he says over and over that he is a God who loves them and he wants them to love him. It's a very fatherly tone that he takes with his people. And we see that again carried throughout the prophets that this is a God who is faithful to you. He abounds in steadfast love and mercy. And yet, why does he have rules? Well, because he's the all-knowing God. He knows more than they do and he wants what's best for them. And so I think if we approach that way with our kids, now it's really hard when they're young, right? Depending on how old the kids are, that can be difficult because it's hard to explain to a two-year-old, you know, that you have your best, their best interest in mind on a, on a really rational level. And so as your kids grow, I think that the best things you can do, you can try and talk to them a lot, help them understand rather than just, you know, giving them rules and intimidation. I think there is a role for, you know, some degree, like 
there can be a, a place where you say, hey, look, if nothing else is working, if this is not getting into your head, you know, whether that is spanking or things like that. Now, I know you didn't really ask directly about spanking, but I, I think that, let, let's put it this way, there's a, two Proverbs that talk about some form of physical punishment. I think that there are times when something like that done in a loving and non, um, you know, non-damaging way can be useful but it takes a lot of wisdom and a lot of, you know, we need the Holy Spirit to guide us in this. Y you asked about how providing structure and discipline for your kids in a godly way. Um, I think those are all good things. I, I'm not sure if I can add anything more to what you've said, but I think you bring up a great topic and a, and a great point. And we as parents need a lot of wisdom to show grace to our kids um, and to, to yeah. lead them with grace rather than just with rules and intimidation. Yeah, and I appreciate you um, addressing the spanking because I was going to ask you with that because I feel like spanking when used in a calm demeanor as learning lesson can be useful. I think when it's used out of emotion, it can be negative. Um, yeah, it's just like responding out of scarring. anger, yeah. you know? Um, so I appreciate you speaking on that. And I really do feel like since I have been more grace-based with my kids, I feel like their behavior has actually gotten a lot better, which I, yeah. which I thought maybe it would get worse, but um, it just, you know, I'm really just trying to, to make it easy for them to see Jesus in the way that I father them, you know, and I think it's important. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, you know, and th there's a lot to say on, on this topic, of course, that's relevant for this. One is that you got to know your kids. You got to know what they respond to and and where they're at you know and so i think what part of this is knowing your kids very well knowing how they might differ from each other the kinds of things that are effective yeah. in in communicating with them and remember that the point is not just to bring your kids into submission it is to shepherd them and guide them now sometimes sure. that means bringing them into submission but the goal is not just that they would submit to you right the goal is and, and this is what I would tell parents is start with the goal in mind. What kind of child are you trying to shape? Are, is the reason you want them to submit to you because you're insecure and you need somebody to submit to you? Or is the reason you want them to submit to you because truly this thing that they are doing is not good for them. It's going to harm them in the long run. And I would say it's that point, starting from there, that's the heart of God, even for us. One of the things I always tell my church is that sin is not forbidden Oh, yeah. Hang on. Let me let me back up. Okay. Sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. And that that is a mindset shift, right? You say, okay, well, why is, you know, sex outside of marriage um, bad? Is it bad because God said don't do it? No, it's bad because it's harmful to the people involved in doing it. And that is why God said not to do it. And that, that's a mindset shift uh, for a lot of people. And that's where we move beyond legalism, right? Legalism is when you just have arbitrary rules and you say, do what I say and don't ask any questions. We want to we encourage our kids, do what I say, and I'd be happy to answer your questions because I love you. And let me tell you why I'm telling you to do this. So I think that starting from that place is going to change a lot of things. And one last thought that I have to share about parenting and, and these kinds of things is just this. Whenever you see somebody yelling and trying to use intimidation, that is a person who has no control, right? So if you see a yeah. boss...
who's yelling, you see a boss or a parent who's yelling, that is a sign that that person is desperate and that they feel that they have no control. And sure. again, do we want to raise kids who, who don't know how to deal with conflicts, don't know how to lead others? Or do we want to raise leaders and people of God who are able to say in a calm demeanor, let's slow down. I disagree with what you're doing. Let's, let's work through this without immediately reverting to yelling. I, I just say that anytime you see somebody yelling, it's somebody who has lost control. And that's not a good place to parent from. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. All that was very helpful for me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Mike. Glad, thanks for bringing up the topic. Very good. And, and I'm sure your kids and, and those who take these things to heart benefit from them. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. We've come up at the end of our show. We've got a few uh, text messages we're going to hit real quick. One person says, I'm reaching out for prayer that God would restore the broken, hurting marriage of my parents. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we lift up this broken, hurting marriage of this person's parents. So we pray that you would do a healing work. We pray that there would be uh, humility rather than pride. We pray that there'd be forgiveness rather than bitterness. Lord, would you do a work of bringing about real, lasting healthy change. And Lord, we ask that you would bring restoration in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, we've come up to the end of the show. Again, guys, my name is Nick Katie. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. Join us in person or online Sunday mornings, 9 and 11 a.m. Directions and details are available on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And tune in every weekday, 2.30 p.m. You can hear me uh, preaching here on Grace FM. Our show's called Life in the Field. God bless you. Have a great evening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.